Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. I'm Ross Oldenkamp, also an evangelist. And today as we begin this episode, we turn our attention to a brief visit to Magadan and a demand for a sign from heaven. We find them in Matthew chapter 15, verse 39 through chapter 16 and verse 4. And it's also found in Mark chapter 8, verses 10 through 12. For our use today, we're going to focus on Matthew chapter 15, verses 39 through chapter 16, verse 4. And sending away the crowds, Jesus got into the boat and came to the region of Magadan. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came up, putting Jesus to the test. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to discern the appearance of the sky, you unable to discern the sign of the times. An evil and adulterous generation wants a sign, and so a sign will not be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. After leaving Decapolis, Jesus arrived in Magadan. Some manuscripts have Mag- Magadela. Magadela. Uh, boy, easy for everybody else <laughs> to say but me. But Mark tells us that he came into the parts of Dalmatia. Uh, got that word again. <laughs> is there a discrepancy there? That's, that's the question. The answer is no. Magdala was a city on the south part of the plain of Gennesaret on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was probably a village in the suburbs of Magdala. Matthew identifies the area by the name of the largest city, while Mark identifies the specific site of the encounter that we're about to study. We are told that the Pharisees came forth, while Matthew informs us that they were joined by the Sadducees. Jesus was near the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. The Sadducees were concentrated in Jerusalem. This would seem to suggest that this was a delegation sent from Jerusalem to monitor the movement of Jesus, a movement that was gaining followers at an alarming rate for them. It's so interesting that the Pharisees and Sadducees, bitter enemies and at the opposite ends of the spectrum religiously, they would join forces because of their mutual hatred of Jesus. They come to try or to tempt the Lord. While we are told to try the spirits to see whether they are of God, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, this was not that kind of a test. They were trying to ensnare Jesus. They wanted to trap him. They were seeking to discredit the Lord in the eyes of the people. This combined group of enemies demanded a sign from heaven. That always gets me. There had been ample miracles performed by Jesus, all of them demonstrating that he was the Son of God, but they were not satisfied with those. You might recall that certain Pharisees had attributed the Lord's miracles to the power of Beelzebub. 
What they were asking for now was some sort of visible sign from heaven, such as only God could give. Let us see something like what happened with Elijah and the fire that came down on Mount Carmel. Maybe a voice from heaven. Show us something like that, and we'll believe. Yeah, uh, interesting to me, as Jesus uh, exposes their hypocrisy for being people who are able to accurately discern what the weather in the future is going to be based upon the clues, the evidence that is provided. They can discern the weather, and they're called hypocrites because while knowing how to discern the face of the sky, you cannot discern the sign of the times. Uh, it's 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 kind of like the uh, I'm thinking of the parable of the unjust steward, where you've got you've got sinners who show a great clarity, uh, a a great perception uh, of things that have to do with this life, things that have to do with this world, and they 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 clearly see the need, uh, like the unjust steward did, of of uh, of preparing a place for himself, of seeing that his time was running out, and he quickly acts to uh, he he quickly uh, takes action in order to to help out his situation. In the same way, he's just so uh, the pe- people in the world are while being so uh, wise about that are just blind to the fact that this points to a spiritual need that they just cannot see. There's a failure to discern while seeing they do not see the real spiritual truth in the same way that, hey, your time is running out. You need a place to stay. And and we just pray that the Lord does not allow us to be so blind as to not see what is clearly in front of us. Yeah, Mark's account will add um, in, in verse 12 prior to um, Jesus talking about the the sign that they're not going to receive will we'll say that he sighed deeply in his spirit and will say why does this generation demand a sign truly I say to you no sign be given to this generation I think it's certainly um, to, to the point that was made of there have been many signs done prior and you know, Jesus was rejected too. He it, obviously we know that in other instances, and certainly here he had done these things. And even people that could look into the weather and and know what was happening, people that were um, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, very educated people, um, couldn't see what was happening, couldn't discern the sign of the times. Um, and I think sometimes what we can do is we look back into the, the miracles of, of um, the Old Testament even, think for specifically during the exodus of, of Egypt, and we can see the Israelites complaining and or here and see that the lack of faith that draw these signs and say, how, how could they not get it? How, how could they not be able to see all these signs and understand it? I think for us, a question to ask ourselves could be, you know, we have all of this written out for us, and yes, we don't see with our own two eyes like they saw some of these instances but we have the complete picture in the bible and yet we still can can doubt or um 
neglect God's word just as they did. Um, the circumstances may be different, but the attitude can be the exact same. Jacob, that statement related to Jesus also drew my attention, the one that we find in Mark chapter 8 and verse 12. He sighed deeply in his spirit. You think maybe we're seeing here an indication of some sadness on Jesus' part over the refusal of the religious leaders to accept the abundant evidence that was all around them. Uh, The blind could see, the lame could walk, the deaf could hear, the dumb could speak. Why would they not see? Perhaps there was also some frustration in that sigh. How often did they have to be taught? How much more could they be shown? Jesus used that simple illustration in his answer. They could look at certain signs in nature. They could read those signs and understand, for instance, a generally accepted rule is that a red sky in the evening means fair weather the next day, and a red sky in the morning with lowering clouds means foul weather. Those kinds of signs they could read. Why could they not read the signs of the times? They could look at Jesus' miracles. They could see that such could only be accomplished by the power of God. They knew the prophecies concerning the Messiah. Could they not see that these prophecies were now in the process of being fulfilled? Jesus placed the responsibility directly upon them. To paraphrase, Jesus was saying, Why should so perverse a generation seek a sign when it has already seen and rejected more signs than any other generation before it? There would be no special additional sign given merely to satisfy the demands of men who were rejecting the evidence of all of the previous signs they had seen. But there would be just one more sign. It would be a sign from heaven, and it was not being given just to satisfy the whims of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It would be the sign of the prophet Jonah. It would be the Lord's resurrection, a true sign from heaven, in that it could only be accomplished by God. Yeah, signs are all around us. Um, Acts chapter 14 says that God has not left himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Uh, that is the testimony of heaven, of God's goodness, is his faithfulness to provide for our needs. The wicked do not take it to heart. They read the forecast, they see that the rain is coming, but they do not give thanks to the God who sends it. They see the leaves, that they turn from one color to another. Uh, They comment on its beauty. They don't give glory to the God who made it to do so, nor do they acknowledge in their hearts what we all know is true, that time is passing and the window is closing. to to get right with the Lord. Okay, let's go ahead and look at the next section, which will be the fourth withdrawal to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, as well as a warning to his disciples. This appears in Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 through 12, and Mark chapter 8, verses 13 through 26. We'll focus our attention upon Mark's account, looking at chapter 8, 
verses 13 through 26. Jacob, are you over there? Yes. Um, verses say, And leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not comprehend or under, do you not yet comprehend or understand? Do you still have your heart hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many baskets full of broken pieces, or how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? And they said to him, Twelve. When I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, Seven. And he was saying to them, Do you not yet understand? Um, and, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a man who was blind to Jesus and begged him to touch him. Taking the man who was blind by the hand, he brought him out of the village and after spitting in his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, for I see them like trees walking around. Then again he laid his eyes on it, laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. And he said to him, He sent him to his home, saying, Do not enter the village. Following this exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, we find the Lord and his disciples once again entering into a boat and departing for the other side of the sea. On this occasion, they were going to the eastern shore, probably toward Bethsaida Julius, on the northeast shore of the Sea of Galilee. It is obvious that Jesus did not always miraculously supply food for himself and his disciples. The feeding of the over 5,000 and the over 4,000 were two notable and exceptional situations. They usually took what supplies would be needed with them. In this instance, the disciples had forgotten, and when they were preparing to eat, they only had one loaf of bread among them. Jesus used their oversight to teach his disciples a very important lesson. Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Frequently, leaven was used in the New Testament to suggest a permeating influence, whether we're talking about good or bad. In this case, it was obviously bad. Mark also mentions the leaven of Herod, Herod's court was so corrupt that it could contaminate by its worldliness and hypocrisy just as the religious leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees did. This was a pivotal time in the ministry of Jesus and in the preparation of the apostles. They had seen Jesus' ministry reach a peak of popularity and then start to decline after the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus had been challenged and taunted by his enemies, yet refused to respond to that taunting by performing a sign from heaven, even though the apostles knew that he could do that if he wanted to. The apostles had been upset about the way Jesus had offended the Pharisees. 
they needed to be warned about following themselves or allowing themselves to be influenced in a negative way by the things that were happening. Yeah, I think the real point of interest for us is that the disciples did not uh, understand what he was saying. And, you know, some it brings to question, it brings to mind the question, why would Jesus say things in this way that he knew might be un, uh, misunderstood? Uh, why would he call, why wouldn't he just say, hey, watch out for their doctrine? It's, it's dangerous. So he calls it leaven, okay? Um... That's just that's the way scriptures are. The scriptures are. You're you're not going to understand everything unless you seek to understand. Unless you're careful to understand. Unless you chew on the things that you read and meditate on them, uh, ask about them, study about them. Those are the ones to whom understanding is given. But, you know, the scripture does not identify their problem as, as merely a matter of intelligence. This is not an intelligence issue. This, they're not cognitively slow. Matthew's account in chapter 16 says, When they had reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread, Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith. Jesus identifies their slowness to make the right interpretation here as a matter of faith, not a matter of intelligence. And so there's, some, there's something here that the disciples are missing because they don't have the faith that they ought to have. We, we see Jesus here showing them uh, this example of the, the physical bread was not the, the issue, the amount um, and, and gives the examples of what Jesus had done with just this little amount of this physical um, bread to, to feed people. And the, the focus on watching out for the, the leaven, the, um, the impact, the effect that the Pharisees have, that the, le that the um, courts of Herod have, and watching out for them and making sure that uh, for us as well to watch out for these um, influences that tend to be like the Pharisees and Herod. You know, at, at first the apostles thought that Jesus was rebuking them for failing to bring bread. Having been with Jesus so long, having witnessed the miraculous feedings, they still didn't understand that he was speaking of spiritual things. Forget the bread. They needed to be more concerned about the leaven of the Pharisees' teaching. That is where the real danger was lurking. After he entered into Bethsaida Julius, the blind man was brought to Jesus to be healed. The Lord took him away from the multitude and healed this man. It was interesting the way he went about healing him. The man's eyes were probably sore and Jesus made use of saliva to soften and soothe them. But it was our Lord's custom to give variety to the manifestations of his power sometimes using one apparent auxiliary means, sometimes using another, also healing instantaneously or progressively as he chose, that the people might see that the healing was altogether a matter of his will. The healed man was sent to his home and not into the village where the excitement over his healing would have been growing. 
Anybody have anything else they want to add? Um, it, it really is one section after another of dealing with the issue of blindness. Because we just, we just got done talking about Pharisees and Sadducees who saw the weather and they were blind to its implications. They didn't make the connection. Now we're learning from that the disciples have a problem with blindness. And I think that that might should carry over at least the lesson that Jesus is going to teach to the disciples. Carry over to what we're going to read concerning the blind man uh, healed at, uh, at Bethsaida. So let's remember we're dealing with the problem of blindness. And a lot of what happens here I think is, uh, is going to serve to teach the disciples uh, about, uh, about their slowness uh, uh, to perceive based on their lack of faith. Well, that's going to have to do it for this episode today. Once again, we want to let each and every one listening know how much we so very much appreciate you doing so. If you're enjoying the podcast, tell your friends that they might listen as well. And if you'd like to contact us, you can do so via the internet at www.nkcofc.com. We'd love to hear from you and would love to meet you. So until the next time, thanks for listening.